and welcome to the farm. Today we're talking, you've married the farmer, now what? And my guest today is Amy. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> well, welcome. Thanks for joining us here on the farm. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where your farm is, and who makes up your family? Thank you. My name is Amy Crookshank and I'm from Gilgandra, just outside Gilgandra, on my husband's family farm with his parents and we are cropping cattle and sheep um, and I have three beautiful, loving, wild farm boys um, that are very involved in our farming operation. So we're a family farm, um, it's just us, we don't have anybody else and um, we seem to make it work. That's good. <laughs> um, and don't think there's anything else in my introduction. Yeah. We're going to take a pause in today's interview to give a shout out to a sponsor. Today we're talking about CGC Design and Photography. If you are looking for a brand overhaul and you're looking at social media scheduling, social media, branding and marketing, then they are the person to reach out and ask for some questions and do the job. They're well worth spending the time and the money with. Dakota is a mum, a horse lady and a fantastic business owner. It is her in the business, she's great at communicating and you may have noticed for season two that our channel and our branding, for especially for our Instagram page, has changed. This is all thank you to Dakota's long hard work and we wish her all the best. I'll leave her details in the description below. Now let's get back to today's interview. How long have you been on the farm? I've uh, been on my husband's farm for, wow, we've ten, we're married 10 years, so 15 years, yeah, so 15 years I've been on his place, uh, but I, I'm a farmer's daughter, so um, all I've done is just leave one lot of farming to another lot of farming, really. <laughs> Tell me about growing up. So I grew up on a uh, very large cropping place uh, up at Rowena, so oh, sort of out near Moree. Yep. Um, so large cropping. We did have a few cattle, but it wasn't that wasn't the predominant uh, enterprise. Cropping was our main enterprise. Lots of cereals. We did do a bit of irrigation at one stage, but yeah, amazing, amazing childhood. Um, a small community. We were the, you know, the first on the bus, last off the bus, and our little school bus only went through paddocks. Yeah. So every kid on the bus had a gate until we got to our tiny little one-teacher school. Yeah. So it was kindergarten to year six, all in one classroom. We did get two teachers at one stage, which was lovely, but amazing. We, you know, we had motorbikes. Um, we could drive all the machinery. We were heavily involved in everything to do with our farm. You know, learning to cook for everybody and. We had backpackers from all over the world would come and live with us and drive machinery. So you met the most amazing people. Uh, it was you know, 140 kilometres one way to town. Yeah. So it was you only went to town once a month. So it was very exciting. You had to get dressed up to go to town. You'd put your dress on yes. to go to town. Because <laughs> um, you, you had your good clothes and your farm clothes and school clothes. So, yeah. um, it, But it, I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I... I have to be out in the open. I have to be, you know, out in it. I, yeah. Being in the city or in town, I appreciate it, but it's not somewhere that I could live. Yeah. So I was a wonderful upbringing. It sounds like it. 
definitely. So tell me about meeting Chad and moving to the his farm for the first time. <laughs> so it is a bit of a funny story. Um, Chad and I were actually um, set up at a blind date family barbecue. So it was one of those highly embarrassing uh, situations <laughs> that all of the family thought was really wonderful and that it would all be marvellous. But it didn't mean it's turned out beautifully, but it was one of those, uh, yeah, he couldn't believe that he'd been set up and I couldn't believe that I'd been set up when it all sort of happened, you know, like in the movies. Everyone went silent and it was, hello, hello. And we were like, no, oh, hi. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, let's just go back to the barbecue and what we're doing. And uh, Anyway, it's all worked out. We became friends and then, you know, we started dating. We did the long distance thing for a little while. I was down in Wagga when we first met. Um, so I eventually got the transfer um, with the company I was with to get back to Canamble. So I was there for a while. Then I was able to get to Gilgandra. Eventually, it's in like any, like most females that move out to the farm, it's the, you know, you've got to wait to change jobs and find houses to where you can live and where you can sort of work it out. So um, it was that, you know, it's a timeline of events of what you, before you can get to where yep. you, where you need to get to. And what was the living circumstances when you first moved to the farm? <laughs> Well then, it's, um, yeah, I was really enthusiastic because I was always like, okay, yep, it'll be fine, we'll fix it up and it'll, um, we'll make it work and then, you know, it won't be long and we can, we'll, um, we'll make it better or we'll get a new house or so we um, went to his grandparents' house, which we still live in, it's over 100 years old, yep. so she's, she's had a lot of love but she needs lots of love. Yes. Um, it's a bit of a higgledy-piggledy house and uh, we all fit in it, it's fine, it just, yeah, it needs lots of love, we're still in it. And we did, we hopped in, put it this way, when we moved in I had to put a pressure cleaner inside to clean the <laughs> floor. Is that all the dust? All the dust and all the years and all the cobwebs of, uh, no one had lived there for quite a while. So no, we got in, we got it, we got it, we got settled. We, and I was working full time in town. Chad was flat out, um, so it wasn't the. We weren't really worried about that at the start. It was just we were living there. We were a couple, you know. We had you know living on the farm together and all the good feels. Yeah, exactly, all the good feels. And it wasn't you know we weren't making all the grand plans for the future or anything like that yet. It was just like let's just yeah. see how we go. So we're still in that house, but we have done a bit to it to yeah. keep it going while our family's young but you never know what the future holds. Yeah. And how far is that from the main homestead? Uh, there's three kilometres yeah. so um, which is lovely so yeah Chad's parents are up one end um, and then we're sort of across the other side but our house is where the workshop is and the cattle yards and yeah. um, where all the main things are so it's ours is the main hub where we are. Yeah. Um, and his parents are further up the road. But I, I'm truly blessed to have grandparents who live on the, same, on the same farm and to have their help all the time and for my kids to have that connection with their grandparents every single day of their life. Yeah. So it is, it is nice it, and it has its moments. Everybody has, its, everybody has that time where you think, I don't want to see anybody or I don't want anybody around, but actually 
it is nice. And Especially I, when you need it. Exactly. So it is very, I'm very blessed in that way that it, that it works, that it works out that way. So. <laughs> So having your three beautiful wild boys, as you described them, <laughs> so close to the yards and the machinery shed, tell me a little bit how you make that safe for them on an everyday basis, being around that machinery and the shed and the yard. Yeah, it's um, some days it was really hard, and we had to we had to really teach our boys. Obviously, we had a yard, the fence around the house. Um, Sometimes it wasn't, sometimes they could escape that. Uh, also, thank you to cat heads. They, uh, they could only mow to a certain area, and then after that there was cat heads. And if, if they made it through that, like, amazing, obviously you're going to escape. The cat heads would pull them up unless they put their boots on. But um, it was a lot about teaching them whilst I was out in the shed with them or out on the farm with them. If there's moving machinery, you stand away, you stand still, make yourself tall, yeah. you know, make yourself be seen, wave. Be seen, be heard. Yeah, be seen, be heard. Um, stand next to a shed, stand, yeah. move away. Uh, always stand still if there's vehicles driving around. Um, yeah. Don't run. Yeah. It was all those um, things. And the boys, the boys have always done pretty well in that instance, um, asking to climb on a machine. I mean, and kids, I know, they forget. They forget the rules. But they've always been pretty well. They were always taught to stay in the ute or on the motorbike until it's safe to, to hop out or to move to where they had to. So I think it's, it's you have to be really vigilant. And you know, as, a, as mothers, we already have eyes in the backs of our heads anyway, even just within the house. But I, and I, but I think rural mums, you really have to have this extra sense of, okay, yes, there's moving machinery, there's moving animals. There's, where's my kid, where's the other adults, where's, I think, and you can only do it for a short amount of time, yeah. but each year they get older and more educated. Yeah. It's not as tough, but I, I have had plenty of times that it's not gone so well. I will share one story. Hi, <laughs> Charlie, my eldest, was, uh, he must have been about three yeah, I think he was about three, three and a half, and that's, and that's when I had my next son, Jock. And you know, I'm inside, and he's, I'm only home hospital, not very old, and he's not very old, and I'm in there, and I'm feeding this tiny baby, and I was really tired, and Charlie was outside, and I thought the gates were closed, but out of the yard. But anyway, I could hear this kid going, "Mom, mom," I was like, "That doesn't sound right. It sounds really far away." Anyway, I'm looking out the window. I'm like, I can't see him. So I've pulled the baby off the boob and put him on the floor, and I've run outside. And as I'm running, I can see he's on top of the fuel tank. He climbed all the way up the top of the fuel tank. He was just standing out there going, Mom! And I was going, I can't get back down. Yeah, exactly. I have a, this child. He's stuck up on top of the fuel tank, and I've left a baby on the floor inside, probably crying now. But he's safe on the floor. That's what every, all these older mums told me. Man, just put them on the floor. They're fine. They, they'll be okay on the floor. So I do that. Anyway, I'm just trying to get this kid down off the fuel tank and drag him back inside, go back in to pick up the, the screaming baby. But, you know, all is well. But that one time, he got out of the gate. We're not sure. Obviously, he'd learnt. We'd finally got to the stage where he'd learnt to do the gate. So that was the next lot of rules of, you need to ask to open the gate. Or 
I think we even put a bit of wire on it at one stage, just while I was that early yep. stages of newborn, like when you're feeding all the time and you're extremely tired. So yeah. I have had it go pear-shaped a couple of times. Nothing bad has happened, but yes. Children. Mine are also climbers. Yes. Found children on tops of machinery or fuel tanks or... But anyway, that just goes, goes with the territory. You just breathe. It's okay. <laughs> As they get older, we get more experienced. Yes. We know how to take a deep breath. <laughs> exactly. And you don't think about what could go wrong. Yeah. Because that will just bring you unstuck. That will just bring you grief that you don't even need to need to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And how do you process afterwards? Oh, that could have been bad. How do you make sure you don't continue with the mum guilt on that? Yeah, I, I, I'm only learning that now. I was really bad at the start. Well, not bad, it's not really bad, but I, yeah, I really worried about that when I had babies and I used to get really guilty all the time. And, and speaking to other rural mums about this, it's the, because you've been working all the time and you're outside and you're so capable of doing everything, and you think you've got to have everything organised and then you've got these little babies and then you worry about, well, I haven't got that done or I didn't get that done or they want to go and do this like they used to do or oh, I need to go and do that. And then something could happen, but you don't want to scare them because that's their life and you don't want to put fear into them or be hounding them all the time. You can't do this, you can't do that. When it's just an education for both of you but oh, the mum guilt for me used to tear me apart. It really, I really struggle with it. I'm doing much better now, but I'm on a different season of my life. My children are a bit, little bit older each time. It's, um, you know, I've got a nine, a five and a four. Uh, my nine-year-old's very capable for his age and quite mature, actually. I'm very lucky. But, yeah, the guilt, your guilt's change, I suppose. Yeah. But when they're little, that mum guilt of, oh, my goodness, I let you out, or how'd you escape, or something could have got happened, or... But I think, yeah, you do have to step back, or you have to call other mothers that are in the season in front of you, or even the generational gap, yeah. and say, okay, what do I say in this moment, or... Um, Was I okay to think that, or what should I do? And yeah. someone is there. How did you do this with your kids? How did you do that with your kids? Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to hear, yep. yep, they were able to do it and these are the tips they gave. Yep. Or otherwise, sometimes it's just as nice to hear as, well, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ex exactly, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. It's that sometimes people just go, shit happens. Yeah. Like, that, you just, that's how it goes and you, you have to move on. You know, the farm is an you know, a revolving door of people, a revolving door of activities. And it's it's not the same thing every day. Yeah. Like very rarely do you get the same thing every day. Um, only in the worst times the same every day. Like drought is the same as every day. Yeah. Mouse plague is the same as every day. Yeah. But that's but in the good times, yeah, exciting things do happen or there's different people coming or so I, I don't know. I don't know. It can can get very overwhelming as we all know. Um, and I've been a sucker to the overwhelm big yep. time, but it's, you have to, because you have to get out of it. And do. how do you get out of the overwhelm? Oh, um, I've tried all sorts of techniques and things. Um, I love talking, yep. and it's probably good that I do talk to people. Um, I, uh, 
I love cooking. Cooking seems to be a bit of a relaxer for me. I like feeding people. Yeah. <laughs> so love feeding like cooking people. and feeding people um, makes me relaxed and overwhelmed. But uh, the overwhelm is. Um, I think you have to find how you can sort of step back and take yourself out of the really big picture and go, okay, this is my picture today. And I only heard, um, only the other day, another mum speaking about that if she said, my children have eaten healthy today and everyone was happy at dinner time, done. That is a good day. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's, that's true. Yeah. So I suppose you think of the overwhelm and just bring it back to go, okay, the small people in my life are okay. Yep. Yes, they've had decent meals or, yes, everybody's clean at bath time or they've got clean pyjamas. Yep. Like Everyone tick, is tick. here. <laughs> yeah, that, you, have to, you have to bring it back to the present. I think you have to bring it back to what is relative for you on that yep. day. And I, it took me ages. I, I was terrible at the start. I used to be in a flap. I used to... And I just, I did, like, and it, I found it really hard. I did. I struggled with my babies. I really, and I can openly say that now, that I I found it really hard. Yeah. I found newborns, it's just a struggle. Um, they, they, my entrance into motherhood, I found quite difficult. Yeah. But, I, you know, might be hitting my straps a little bit more now, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Money's in practice. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but the daily mistakes don't seem as bad or as big as what you think. Yeah. Like maybe when they're little. When they're little. When you're full of hormones and all the emotions and all the... Everything is new. Oh, all the... Well, everything that we go through yeah. as, as mothers. So. <laughs> I actually had to find between baby number two and baby number three, I had to step off farm just to get that mental break and then I could come back on much more relaxed, yes. much more zoned in yeah. on who I am and what my purpose and goal is here. But I needed that break between the two boys and then baby girl. Yes. yes. Perspective. Oh, oh, definitely. And it's, like you said, purpose. I, I can so resonate with so many people when they talk about that you feel like that when you become a mother... You do lose your purpose and you, then you're questioning yourself. You're like, well, what is my purpose? I wanted these beautiful little people. Yeah. That's what I wanted. And then you get them. Yes, my purpose is to love them and keep them alive and, you know, like, you know, hopefully turn them into great adults. Yeah. But it, you think, oh, do I have more? And is there more? Yeah. But it's realising in that time that is your sole purpose is in that Amount, the small amount of time in that their little person's life yeah. that they need you for those things. And I had to have my husband and, and great friends and mentors remind me of that. Yeah. Amy, this, you're here now with these little people and it is only a short time. Yeah. And I know when you're tired and you've got so much on your plate, like, like internal, the house, just itself, running a household, running children, and then it's the outside world, the farm, the business, other commitments that you've got going on in the community. And we do. We try to wear too many hats a lot of the time. I'm a bit guilty of that myself, not saying no. I'm very bad at saying no. So bad at saying no. <laughs> Apparently it's a practice thing you're supposed to do all the time. 
I will practice saying no. no. <laughs> yes, it's um, it is quite hard, but rural communities, rural families, yeah. there is there is a certain amount of people who will say yes to things, and that's how things keep going, and that's how you keep things alive, and that's it's and I suppose you have to learn to share it, and you have to um, put yourself out there sometimes. And I've had to step back. I've had to say no to. I was on too many committees <laughs> helping with things. And you do have to say, look, actually, I can't do that right now. But I remember writing emails, crying. I'm really sorry. I cannot be on this committee anymore. I just, I've got no more time and I need to step back for my children. It's, um, it's hard. I've had to say no to farm things as well. Like, no, I can't drive the tractor today. No, I can't drive the header today. You know, there's just... And I find that really hard that is really because I hard. love, yeah, I love doing it. I love being a part of it. Yeah. And I would have times where I'd be going. I got guilty about saying no to the farm jobs. Yeah. Because that's our business. That's our livelihood. Yeah. But then, how do I do the kids? And that, and that's, and it's a lot of pressure yeah. that you put on yourself. But you, you know, you're guilty of doing it yourself. Yeah. But you think that you have to, that you have to do it. And a famous saying in my household is, and now my kids are repeating it to me. <laughs> Obviously, I used to say it a lot. Is just to go, I'm not an octopus. Like that was my saying, because you know, a kid yeah. wants you there, wants you there, or I need a drink and I need something to eat, and can you put my socks on? And where's my bag? And where's my boots? And where, you know that tractor that's missing one wheel and the you know the cab's off? Have you seen it anywhere? Because I need it right now. And I, I say, I'm just not an octopus. Just right this moment, can you? And my four-year-old has been throwing it back at me. Yeah. I know you're not an octopus, mummy, but have you seen this? <laughs> and I go, oh, darling, bless you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I'm not an octopus. Let me think about where that thing might be. Where I might have seen it. <laughs> so that's ours. Yes, that's the, that is the saying. Because I used to think that I could be the octopus mother. Yeah. I could have this going over here. I could have that going over there. And I went, no. Not anymore. Not not at the moment. I, yeah, just do two arms. <laughs> and was that a piece of advice that was given to you or is that something you had to come up with yourself? Uh, I must have come up with it myself. Yeah. I can't remember someone saying it to me, but it was probably watching some kid show or it must have been a book yeah. or something, but I remember the saying, because um, I think I used to be saying, you know, you've got two hands and then you had three children. Yeah. Like you've got one children's fine, two children, you've got two hands. Yeah. Then three, like, ah, I've got a child I can't hold on to or I can't, <laughs> like, I'm out of hands. And I think yeah. that's where it came from. Like, okay, not an octopus, kids. Yeah. I have two. That's it. But and was there any advice given to you before you moved to the farm or once you're on the farm that you reflect on still today? Um, That... It's it's a adjustment. It is adjustment. Even even coming from a farming background myself and being a farmer's daughter and being involved in agriculture most of my life, it's still the quirks of how another family runs yeah. a farm or, and what they expect to be done uh, the times that they eat morning tea or what you have a cooked lunch or, you know, it's um, it's those types of things. Like I remember, you know, with Chad, like before we were married and we were harvesting and I, we, I, he said, you go and jump in that header and I'll jump in this one and off I went. And I remember him calling me going, what, what are you doing? I said, well, 
I go that way and I cut blocks this way. No, no, no. We do it this way. Yeah. I went, oh, I just forgot to ask. Yeah. And he forgot to tell. Yeah. Because he knew what I was capable of and I know what he's capable of, but we forgot to have the conversation of, oh, you've been taught that way and I've been taught this way. Hang on. Do we work it out together? Yeah. And it was funny, but it was just, we hadn't thought about those types of things or, yeah, how, what type of lunchbox you pack or yeah. <laughs> which way you drive this or, and I was used to go, 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 go. That was just, and but their, theirs was not as flat out. They didn't want to. That's not what they wanted to do. Yeah. It was still busy, but it was just a different way that yeah that I had been told and I went oh okay that's radio we need to have these conversations so, and we would butt heads a few yeah. times um and there's just the communication breakdown yeah well I suppose not a breakdown but it's the communication of oh okay because he it's that assumption yeah he assumed because I knew how to drive things and work the farm that I would just do it the same way as him yeah and I assumed that he would do the same thing the way that my dad did it. Yeah. <laughs> the way that I'd been taught. So that, yeah, yeah. that was that adjustment period. Oh, I suppose not a period. We're still, uh, it's still, still I still do something and he goes, what are you doing? Well, that's the way I was taught to do it. But we haven't done that in years. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that's, I'm doing it that way. <laughs> you want my help or I'll buy? Same with me and yeah. livestock. I still yeah. do it that way. <laughs> You know we don't do it that way. Yes. Oh, I just had a moment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Autopilots are hard, hard exactly. thing to break. Oh, so true. So true. Was there something that you found um, to be a, the biggest barrier when you moved to the farm or something that was surprising about the farm? Um, maybe the way that their routine of things was completely different to my life. Oh, and... and I'd always grown up um, having staff, yep. not staff in the house, oh, sorry, I mean like workers, like farm workers. Working with the crops. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we had a butler and a maid, <laughs> not. Um, but um, yeah, there was always people there in the busy seasons, it was always extra drivers for this, that and everything, um, and then people there all the time. So I suppose I was used to communicating with other people working on the farm and the seasonal workers, then to come to a farm that is wholly, solely family and how within themselves they all knew what was going on and I'd be going, okay, what's the, what's the jobs today? Yes, it was just the difference in um, when you're used to having a job list, or not a job list, but something, you know, tasks that were completed that day or for the week or things that, yeah, okay, well, we need to check those fences or need to get these machines ready or you know, these trucks need to be loaded or you know so forth and so forth but them being the family unit that they were or are is um they sort of had this unspoken thing between them they just sort of knew what was going on like his dad had his things to do and chad would have his things he would do and his mum was on farm and off farm she'd work off farm as well so the times that i was on the farm and working and wasn't at my town job I'd be like, hey guys, what are we doing today? And they'd just sort of take off or jump in and I'd still be down the track or something like, what are we actually <laughs> doing, doing today? Like what tasks are we completing today? Oh yeah, well I have to go and do this and I have to go do that. Or So um, I just had to get 
used to that. And sometimes it still frustrates me if I'll, I'll forget and I'll go, like, you know, in the diary, can you write down what we're doing or, you know, so we can slot in other things that we'd like to get done or things that I might need help with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm quite self-sufficient around the farm, like we were talking about earlier. You know, I can go and do most things by myself, but there is times I want help with something, so I go, so you know if you've planned your week out or a few days, can I pencil in the time for Amy or I need help lifting this or, you know, I need that tree chopped down. I can do it, but I would like some help chopping that down or, you know, I need help fixing this or... There's a gate in the yards that I need help welding or just yep. things like that. So that was probably one thing I had to get used to was the um, no monthly tasks or just those yep. types of things, which they do a bit more now. Yeah. But that was just how they roll, which is fair enough. That was their place. They've been working together from day dot. I found with that I had to write on my calendar every time we did something. Yes. And so I wrote it on my calendar and every year I'd reflect on that season with yes. that job list and that became my job list and my guide. But yes. that took quite a long time oh. to put together because their family yes. farms, they, they do, they just automatically have this Bluetooth connection. Oh, yes. And they're, they're off. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, I <laughs> totally agree with you. And I think, and you, and you speak to other women that come in like that too, whether, whether you're rural or not rural and you come into a relationship like that it is so hard to figure out what they're doing but then the other turn of the hand is yes it might be planned out and then all of a sudden they'll run in the door and go yep that's completely scrapped this has happened this is broken down we have to go here and do this or i need you to run and do that so what would be your top tips for someone else moving to the farm for the first time wowzers i think uh, if you're, you know, planning on being out the farm, be prepared to um, embrace different people. Like there is going to be a, a turnstile of people that will come and go from the farm to to help your business along, or you know, people that you need to help your farming business. Uh, be prepared to do some cooking, probably, uh, but also just you have to have a go. I think you just have to. You have to have a go and learn to ask for help or just try something. Just try new things and um, don't don't be alone. Don't isolate yourself, which which is easy to do. Um, it can be quite isolating, but it's yeah. Don't isolate yourself. Be open to new ex- new experiences. Um, have a yeah. Just have a go at things and um, take the practical side of yeah. life. I think just. Don't overthink it, just sort of be practical. It's exactly if everyone's fed and watered and um, it's it's kind of, it's happy and you, your days can be, can be nice. I suppose in the regard of, because I was born and raised on the land, I already had quite a few practical skills that I've already got in my toolbox, so to say. So I was, I'm quite lucky in that way. But I suppose it was other things about... Um, managing children, that, that practical side, um, learning how to pack enough things in your car just to go to town, um, you know, always carrying water, always carrying a snack, there's always you know, something in the car, because you just never know where you're going to end up or where you're going to be called to, yeah. having everyone's phone numbers or, you know, having a two-way UHF in your car if you need help, um, just learning who your neighbours are, learning who you can ring if you do need someone, something. 
you're out there with the people that you love, you'll learn the things you need to learn anyway. And don't be scared to ask for ask for help. Like if you're really green and you've never been in the bush before, everyone will help you. We we want more people to come to the bush. We want more people involved in agriculture. Like everyone has an amazing set of skills and knowledge that everybody can soak in and absorb. It doesn't matter where you're from. So Amy, do you believe in a work-life balance in the agricultural sector or being on a family farm? Um, well, this gets talked about a lot, hasn't it? And I, Or maybe my ears have been uh, pricked to it more in the last couple of years, you know, talking about work-life balance. And I think there is a balance, and I think anyone who's in agriculture and the lifestyle that we've chosen to raise our families in, we are blessed that our work is in our life and we live at our work so you can get the balance I think with that because there is moments you get to enjoy as a family even though you are working so that creates a beautiful balance within itself but it also and I know this will resonate with lots of people is to get your farmer off the farm that is something I've struggled with big time my husband um, just holidays just weren't on his radar they just it wasn't something that they did his family it was my family um that had got off the farm every year that so you know I was extremely lucky that way to have a break to get away so holidays are something that I we've been, I've been working towards and um yeah later on this year I'm actually getting my husband off the farm for longer than a week oh my goodness I'm so excited uh, that is hard. So I think as in the work-life balance, as in managing mental health and stress, um, you do need to remove yourself from your life on the farm. I think that is really important. It gives you perspective about what's important to you, some goals you might want to achieve, but it's also broadening the horizons of everybody in your family, You know, exposing your children to different areas or exposing them to the city life or exposing them to you know beautiful forests and things that they might not see that became really prominent for us during the drought I drought was really tough as a lot of people know and everyone had their own different situation what was happening in the drought and some people it affected people on so many different levels and my husband had to leave the farm during the drought we had to have off-farm income and that was a really hard decision. That was that was tough, that he had to leave and I stayed home with two little kids um, and uh, with his parents. So we, you know, trying to keep the stock alive, water, and you know, a lot of people know it was horrible. It was just horrible. It was so depressing. And all of our mental health took a massive dive. My, me, myself, and my husband, um, you know, and people still don't want to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. And I think awareness was arised during that time. But for your your livelihood to be affected that much, and for your husband and the father of your children, and the you know the one who plans the farm, like does what we need to do, he had to go away and work. That it was kind of heartbreaking, but it was a necessity that had to be had to be done, and I had to step up. I had to find more strength to get through those days and to just... And I know now that because we survived that and because we made it through that, now I think 
made us stronger, you know, and more resilient. I think that was the time when you learned to just take day by day. Yeah. Because if you look too far forward, it was too hard to. Yeah. Anyway, but it was you just couldn't you couldn't imagine. You had to pull back on holidays or just taking the kids away for a weekend, or it was you were just you were consumed. You said you needed to find strength. Where did you find your strength? Uh, I don't. I don't really know. I I must have found it at the time. I didn't think I was finding the strength. Now when I look back, obviously I did to get through. But I think, you know, having my children at home and knowing how much I love the land and how much agriculture is a part of me, and knowing no, this is the life that I want. This is what I want to do. This is our passion. And I, this is the, something my children um, are going to be a part of. Um, whether they choose to in their future later lives, it, it's okay if they don't. But it's something that will be in their blood from when they're little. It was really important to us. So I think I just... I didn't think at the time. I thought I was so weak. I thought I was hopeless. I thought I was shocking. I thought, you know, because I was crying all the time or... And I just couldn't get, and I was fully overwhelmed. Uh, my mental health took a massive dive. You know, there was days where you didn't want to get out of bed and you couldn't, I couldn't function. But it, there was the times when you thought of the bigger picture as in what is around is your little farm because you couldn't concentrate on everybody else's yep. farms. And I had to find that, that I knew for those seven days that my husband was away, that I was it. Yep. I was the, I was mum. I was the feeder, I was the cook, I was the fence checker, I was the trough checker, I was the, you know, everything. And I held on and he would get home. <laughs> he would walk in the door and he would, he was, you know, dad's home. So the kids are like, I can have my cry, I can have my breakdown, I could have my whinge. I could be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Even like, it's another week. It'll, and it will rain. Yeah. It, it will. It will rain. It will. It will. And it, it will. had to be. <laughs> so I must, I must have found it. I don't know. I'm guessing the times that I spoke to older generations that have been through this before. Uh, my grandmother, um, she always had pockets of, of great knowledge. You're doing a good job. You're a good mum. Yeah. You know, sometimes someone, you just, sometimes someone just needs to say to you, you're a good mum. Yeah. You're doing a good job. And you just, okay, thank you. <laughs> That sometimes it's those those little things that really that do help you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy, for coming here on the farm with us and having a chat about marrying your farmer. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's lovely. I hope um, hope somebody likes the story and it resonates with people. And um, yeah, I think it's wonderful what you're doing, and everyone should be telling this story. So thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you everybody for joining along the way. Please like, subscribe and either leave a comment in the section below or a review. It helps people like us find this beautiful resource to have access and find information and stories to help them not feel alone and maybe get a few tips, tricks and gems out of their story. Mm -hmm.